This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by Live Nation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, yeah. Alanis Morissette, okay. Cage the Elephant. Why not? Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we are reminiscing. Mm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, I was like you know that I old know, song? I know there's a song reminiscing, but I don't quite remember the tune right now. You might get in trouble singing it anyway. Yeah, so I, I just bailed. Don't want to get kicked off. I made the up platform. a new song. Yeah. Reminiscing. <laughs> about. What is it? Oh, our most memorable <laughs> meals. What is it? I almost that, forgot. Was that a joke? That, that is uh, irony for you. Ironclad irony. Uh, yeah, what are your most memorable meals and what are our most memorable meals? I and mean, I'm sure hearing from them, them dang, I can't Hearing from now. them and reminiscing about <laughs> them. About their most memorable meals will make us remember more meals that are maybe more memorable more than the ones meals. that I have remembered in advance of this. Yes. Uh, <sighs> I do want to say that um, we want to give you a heads up about next week's and the next week's episodes of Ear Biscuits because we are doing what we're calling our deconstruction stories one year later. And we're each going to get an episode because, hey, we each got an episode before to tell our story. So this is going to be. Where are we at in the process? And whatever we wanna say one year later from, from each one of us. So if that subject matter uh, intrigues you. It's like an annual dose of spirituality. From well, us. I'd like to think you get more than just an annual dose. Yeah, we can pepper it in. Yeah, but it will be sort of the like, let it all hang out, <laughs> spiritually speaking, uh, and tell you where we're at. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to start just by asking you, do you remember what you had for dinner last night? I just found something in the corner of my eye. And don't, I'm like, not gonna eat that it, been are you? There? No, has that been there all day? I mean, you when know. When you wear I, glasses, you don't have to worry about eye crusties and stuff. I have to scrape eye crusties out of like the corner of Jade's eyes, like it kind of weeps down her nose. Oh yeah, well. For those of you who don't know, that's my wife. No, <laughs> that's my dog. Um, and then, she likes to eat it. I'm not saying that I feed it to her. Yeah, I think but you I'm, are saying that. I'm saying that she. If she eats it, then that means that you, you took it off and you put it somewhere when she, and let her eat it. Like in her mouth? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you're admitting that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but. She wants to eat it. I know she wants to eat it, because she, the moment I get it out of her eye, like she's like scrambling to eat it. Golly, man, why don't she just lick her own eyes? But I have to admit that I've just resorted to just, feeding it to her. <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it? I'm This isn't the way I wanted to start a most no. memorable meal. I was asking you what you <laughs> ate last night. <laughs> oh man, I regret, I regret. Uh, every time I do it, I regret it, but I regret even more sharing that. But you know, this is a safe space. Not anymore. <laughs> oh gosh. What do I remember what? Do you remember what you ate last night? You don't even remember my question. Um, yes, I do. It took a second, but I ate a baked fish dish. A baked fish dish. Yeah, the reason why I, were, I, I was like, wow, of course I remember this is because Christy was, I was like, what's for dinner? And Christy was like, I'm making some fish. I'm like, what? We, 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 don't, did, we, just, we, we don't do fish. We don't really, hey, What? we don't eat that much fish at home. Cause you gotta, fi you know, you gotta figure out how to prepare it, it's like, Gotta figure it out, man. Chicken is so easy, and so many options. I don't. Who am I to say? Anyway, you don't. You wouldn't know how to cook fish, chicken, regardless. It this doesn't is matter. not about me. <laughs> she made. She made some uh, a baked fish dish. Do you know what kind of fish it was? Uh, I think it was a rock fish. It was a white, flaky fish. Um, 
I really, I mean, you didn't ask this, but you didn't like. I, it. I was really torn if I was going to tell her what I thought of it. I didn't. I'll just talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> well, I did say, you know, we found this fish place that we ordered lunch from, and I really like it. And they make this fish, and it's they put Cajun seasoning on it. Sometimes garlic butter. I know garlic butter is not good for you, but uh, that's a really good combination having both of those, or just the Cajun seasoning. And I left it at that. What would you? You just wanted her to take it and run with it? That was basically my way of saying that fish I want fish you to is, make me a fish, restaurant style. <laughs> that fish is better than the fish you made. Oh which, no, okay, I got what you're saying. Which was like, it had onions and like lime and it didn't it didn't really come together. And I was like, did you bake it or saute it? And she was like, I, I baked it. I was like, well you could, you know, you could saute it. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, and I don't it, think you know what's gonna make it good. Though. I don't, but I was <laughs> so trying I, to come up with a, a constructive and subtle way to say I didn't like it. Well, I th- I wasn't really I mean, expecting us to get into this level like of analysis. It, I was just gonna ask you, you if like you remember it. you don't like something that Christy made. Christy, I mean, she makes meals for me all the time. <laughs> I mean, Jesse. Um, do you just tell her? Because yeah, I could have no, no, just told her. No, no, we, we, we um, it's delicate. Though. I don't know. Because uh, who am I? What it? I'm not a cooker. Well, see, I am right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I make I make a, quite a few meals at our house. Not as many as Jesse, but it's getting it's getting pretty close in some in, to to some degree. But um, there is this moment of sort of critique when we're eat, when we start eating something. Like, and and I if, if I made something like so last night I made. Pork chops. Just well, I made pork chops on the grill, and then Jesse made um, some like cauliflower and something else on the side. And it's like when we sit down, I'm like, "All right, God, what do you like? What do you think?" And I'm like, ah, "I think I may have overcooked these a little bit." Like, there's a, there's a, and then she, and then Jesse's like, "I don't know, maybe I should start doing a different seasoning on the cauliflower." Like, we have a moment of analysis and sort of like critical. Yeah. analysis around what we've made and that's pretty common. It does get kind of demoralizing because our kids are pretty picky um, and the nature of the conversation is not anything like what we would have had in my house growing up. You didn't tell. So do they get on the critique? Is that what you're saying? They do. My, kid, my kids are smart enough to stay quiet when I said that. Of course, Lincoln didn't eat fish at all. He had chicken nuggets. Okay, well that was an insult. But no, my kids will do that. They'll opt out of a dish altogether. There was no opting out for us. I mean, you ate what your mama gave you. Uh, but anyway, the thing is, is that if I hadn't have asked you to think about that meal that you had last night, and and I hadn't thought about the meal that I had last night, I would forget about it. You know what I'm saying? I there I'm there might be. No other time in my life when I would stop and think about the meal last night. There was nothing remarkable yeah. Yeah. about the food, and there was nothing remarkable about the setting and the circumstances. Because it's interesting as you start looking at people's most memorable meals, it's definitely there's not one thing in common. There's a bunch of different sets of factors that can determine something being, this meal is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, so we're gonna get into um, what you said are your most memorable meals. Thank you for responding. You know, we make the post on our Twitter account, at Mythical. We do that a lot. If you, if you wanna be recognized, get a shout out, dictate the conversation to an ear biscuit, follow us on our Twitter account, at Mythical. Uh, we do, I mean, a week won't go by where there's some question that we're trying. A week to, won't go by. We won't know, let. We won't let a week go by. We're trying to. We're trying to put out there. I mean, the fish. I would have remembered. I think I'm more likely to remember because we eat so. We don't eat much fish, and it wasn't that great. Have I said that? <laughs> but um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, mo- most meals just kind of blow by because you've got it. You know, on average, three a day, unless you're a hobbit. Right. And they just kind of they just kind of wash over you. Um, but let. Let's just let, let's get to one here. This one um, is from A twenty two thirty seven Web and Elise. My cousins and I went to Yellowstone when I was young. We bought a frozen Stouffer's mac and cheese and put it directly in the fire to cook it. I I could see how you could do that because it's you know it's um, that aluminum pan. You just throw it right in the fire. Uh, 
It was repulsive. <laughs> Half cold and tasted like ash. <laughs> I said ash. Yeah, be clear on that. And the fact that we all got sick later in the trip may have not been a coincidence. Yeah, the old so bad you can't forget it meal. Yeah. Um, one thing. Usually I, when you're camping, everything tastes yeah, better. Yeah, everything tastes better. One thing I will note about this is this the last sentence, we all got sick later in the trip that may not have been a coincidence. Um, I don't know, I don't even remember what the context was. I was listening to a um, someone who specializes in foodborne illnesses, like they were on a, a video or a guest on a podcast or something. And the woman was saying, it cracks me up how often anyone who has some sort of what some sort of sickness, mm-hmm. they always think they know where it came from. Yeah, they're like, I had some bad sushi last night, or da 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 da. And she and she's basically like, you have no way of knowing. But what happens is, is when something you get sick after a meal, you think in your sleuthing skills, you know exactly what caused it, and then it turns you against that food for a certain amount of time, maybe the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Her point was, is people are almost always incorrect about that assumption. Because she said that, for instance, one of the most common things is that there was a food handling mistake, like you didn't realize that there was a little bit of salmonella on your cutting board when you cut those vegetables for the salad or something like that, and it takes about, it could take anywhere from like 24 hours to 72 hours for that to manifest itself. And she's like, the window of time between inciting event and your the purge that the body goes through is so variable that people just don't know, but yet you you associate. Everyone always thinks it's that. Oh, I know exactly what meal it was. Well, and I think saying food poisoning is kind of shorthand of like, yeah, I was I was sick. I was almost to like a debility. Like I couldn't have, I couldn't come to work or I couldn't make it to this thing. So it's a valid excuse. But then also, it's reassuring when when that person is talking to you is that, well, it was because of food I ate, I'm not contagious. So it's it's just kind of a, it's a it's a shorthand to get to both of those. I also think another reason people do it is because, you know, not to get graphic, but if you vomit up that ham sandwich you ate at Hardee's you when you were nine what, years old, yeah. and you, which is what happened to me, and I can't eat roast beef at Hardee's anymore, which, whew, I, I, it's been tough to navigate that one my entire life, I'll tell you. Roast beef at Hardee's? Yeah, yeah. It was, was it like is that an Arby's? still a thing? I don't an think Arby's so. An Arby's or? No, at a oh, Hardee's. At a Hardee's, Carl Jr. Uh, but when you, you know, when you up chuck a meal. You and, think the meal costs And you're it. starting to, th- and you, you're looking at it. It's an association thing. Then you're like, that's gross. You know, I bet that's what, that's what came up. That must be what my body ha- rejected because it, it was the source of it. Of course, that's not, that's not how it works. No, because it was I think pro- that that is the principle that your body's working on, but it was probably something that you ate in a previous meal, and it's saying I'm getting rid of everything, including what you just ate, and you're just being like, well, I'm going to connect the dots. And people almost always associate it with a food experience that they weren't controlling. So people right. almost always say, well, it was that restaurant I went to, or it was mm-hmm. that takeout that I got, but it definitely wasn't the sandwich that I made for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they don't want to take responsibility for it. Well, it's probably the thing you did. It might be bad sushi. Who knows? But you don't know, and you should probably just try not. It's to such figure an it expedient ex- explanation oh, that I, I don't think nature. this is going to change my behavior. Well, I'm just saying, next time you get sick and you think it's food poisoning, just resist the urge to tie it to one particular meal because you don't want to ruin a, a food for yourself if you don't have to. Like yeah, I don't know true. if. Annalise now doesn't eat mac, mac and, and cheese, cheese or if she just camping. doesn't eat ma- mac and cheese that's cooked over a fire, which that whole thing, trying to cook over a fire and not getting the fire down low enough and so you've got like mm-hmm. ash going into it, I've made that mistake a few times. I mean, I most memorable camping story, I think that, that this triggers for me is the one time we went to Summer camp, yeah, and that's where we learned about hobo, hobo burgers, burgers. <laughs> where you you put the ground beef and potatoes, potatoes, onions, some barbecue uh, sauce. I seem to remember carrots. Carrots were in there first time for sure, and um, barbecue sauce. And then you 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 make a pocket, and then you wrap up the third thing, and you airtight seal it tight, and then it blows up like a balloon. 
when you put it down in the ashes. And if yours doesn't blow up like a balloon, you made a mistake in the rolling. That's right, it's, that's on you. It's on you. And it was just like one more thing that was an entirely new experience. That we ended up doing many times while camping that's uh, right. afterwards. Yeah, haven't done that with the kids. We talked to the, the kids about that on the Death Valley trip, but we didn't actually do it. Yeah, because it does require it's building a little up a fire. More work. You got to get. You got to. Yeah. It's got to go down to ash. Yeah, to just the coals, to work yeah. ideally. All right, here's another one uh, from the real Whoop on Twitter. My parents had eight children, including me. Okay, wow. I am number six. Mom made spaghetti for dinner. Mom left the room. Dad took plain piece of spaghetti and twirled it over his head like a lasso. Okay. All us kids laughed and started twirling spaghetti over our heads. Ours had sauce. Mom came back. Oh. End of story. That's I, it. That's a good. That's a well-constructed tweet. I do. You know, I, get, I painted a picture. Spaghetti sauce everywhere. Of course, it's dad's fault. This is like it's something. This is like something fault. that happens in a movie or a book. This isn't something that happens in in real life, is it? I guess it, I mean, when you have that good. many kids, something's always happening. You know, it's I mean with three kids, there's just, there's there's always something. There's always a fire to put out. Sometimes Listen, literally. I've only got two. Ha. And the amount of things that get broken and spilled and I just, you know, I just don't think my family's built for more children. I think those those families that have a lot of kids, like they made an observation about the first one and then the second one and then the third one, they were like, okay, we can yeah. manage this. We made observations about our children and we're like, did we make a mistake? Christy counts me as one of the children well, that's and I can't argue with that. But you know, I mean, talking about a family memory happening over mealtime, I mean, I as I was racking my brain for my most memorable meals, one of the first things that came to my mind was, you know, it's it's not so much the one meal as gathering around the same table. Like I can picture the table that I that my mom had that the two of us grew up around. You know, it was um, we would sit down and have a lot of meals together. It wasn't, you know, she she might have only made five or so dishes and then rotated them, but we would all sit down at that, you know, that wooden table. I actually think it was the table with Jimmy and Emmy too. Like so the four of us of family gathered around that table and then when the divorce happened, we took that table with us, Jack. But you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad that as a family, we still have this expectation that we're gonna try to have meals around the table and a lot of times it's like, well, let's just sit around the television, there's something going on, let's, let's, let's watch something or, or eat separately or whatever, but, I mean, that's when, it's not so much the specific memories as it is just the general memory of having a place that you gather, and that's important. But the, I think just as memorable to me and special to me is growing up every other Sunday after church, we would go to my nanny's house, so my mom's mom. This is the one, my, my grandma that passed away this past summer and I wasn't able to go home. Um, and, and one of the, you know, when I was just thinking about all of my fond memories of her, just her fried chicken, like my favorite fried chicken I've ever eaten. Does she do fried chicken every time? Pretty much every time. Like it, one out of every four times, it might be like a pork roast or something else, but like she knew how much I loved her fried chicken. And so she would, she would fry the neck bone and I bet it, it might surprise you, but I would eat the neck bone. I would eat, and I would eat that first, and then I would eat it. There's not a lot to eat though. You, but no, you eat the breading off of it, it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like that long. It's a lot longer than you think. Like the neck bone. I'm I mean, how the, how long is that? Four inches. Four inches. That's. A, I mean, that's. A, I wouldn't think a, a chicken's not much longer than that. That's more than half of a chicken is the neck. It's longer than you think. The neck goes deep down in there, and there's a little bit of meat on it. It was kind. It's kind of nasty to like be gnawing on this like dinosaur-like neck, but a miniature dinosaur neck. It is kind of weird because I mean, a lot of kids are really sensitive about identifying. Yeah, 
bones and like body parts and meat. I, your, your kids are like that. Yeah, yeah. And I would move on to the chicken leg and then the thigh. I would eat, I'd eat a lot. I'd eat all the dark meat. I'd eat two thighs, two legs, and the neck. The which, neck is dark meat. And um, by the way, I don't know if you can hear it, it's shaking our table, but the sound that was here last it's episode, back. it's back. They're just doing some work somewhere and it like reverberates through the ground and we're trying to get it out of the uh, the mix. So you may not hear it at all and that, what I just said is pointless, but just to acknowledge that. But my most memorable meals, I, I think that is like the most memorable meal tradition is, all right, we know we're going to Nanny's after church. Boy, I'd, I'd remember when Pastor Rogers would be like droning on about his Sermon. Going <laughs> on about his sermon. I would be picturing that fried chicken, man. You came didn't you you came I don't over think a few I times. ever I don't think I ever had a fried chicken. Or I guess I don't remember it if I did. Huh. I'm sure but I But you would. came over there because yeah, yeah, we yeah, would yeah. ride the golf cart together. Yeah, but I don't think that was a Sunday afternoon thing. Yeah. Right? I think there, I, it was other times, like a Saturday or something. It was a small table. There wasn't we'd bring in all the chairs and there wasn't I don't enough remember, room for a guest. I don't remember eating dinner over there. I think I would invite you to come over afterward. I literally don't think give was, him the neck bone. Don't give capacity. him anything, by the way. It's a capacity thing. Well, because you know, my my all my family, extended family, was in Georgia. Um, so I've I've got some memorable meals, and one in particular I'll talk about in a second. But I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have the regular going to uh, grandma's house. But I also do have a story about grandma coming over. <laughs> Ear Biscuits is supported by Superfeet. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Well, guess what? Your feet don't have to hurt. When you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. Superfeet insoles are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. Since 1977, Superfeet has helped millions of people worldwide experience the life-changing magic of comfy, pain-free feet. Superfeet insoles upgrade the fit, feel, and function of your footwear to help you feel your best. The signature orthotic shape of Superfeet gives your feet the right type of support where you need it most. Physicians not only recommend Superfeet to their patients, they wear Superfeet insoles in their own shoes. Superfeet is the number one doctor worn and recommended insole. Superfeet has thousands of five-star reviews and is the insole of choice for top athletes on the field, on the ice, and on the slopes, and everywhere in between. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot. From cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive, you can dial in your fit by taking their quick online quiz. We took the quiz, we've got our, mm -hmm. our insoles coming, they're on their way. You just answer a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code EAR at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Um, while we're on the subject of family, so I, 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 and interestingly that uh, interesting that you mentioned fish because um, fish I'll tell one of my fish stories but fish actually is something that came to mind. Uh huh. The first thing, uh, the first memorable meal that I thought about was at my aunt Helen's house. So Aunt Helen, it was my grandmother's uh, sister and my grandmother Mama Nell. Aunt Helen, she's she's still around down in in Georgia. She's the one I talked about. Uh, her husband was Gibbs Patrick, who had the the farm. Who incidentally, when I said that in the in some, one recent episode, somebody commented. I think I said it on Good Mythical More. Somebody commented on YouTube. I can't believe that your uncle is uh, Gibbs. I worked at the farm for years. Really? So small world. But anyway, they had a pond on the farm in a little lake house, just a little cabin that was on the main pond there. You mean a that, pond house? It was a pond house. And that's where we would stay when we went to stay with them. Oh, cool. And uh, my favorite thing about the whole deal was fishing. So we have cane poles uh -huh. and then corn for baked, and you would catch brim and bass. Maybe some crappy, can't really remember that. And this have this visceral memory of catching the fish, cleaning the fish, and all we did to clean the fish was cut the guts out, like cut the belly, take the guts out, and then descale it. Yeah. But they left the fins on, left the heads on, left the tails on, gave it to Aunt Helen, 
and she battered those suckers up and fried the fish whole. Mm-hmm. And then we would all go and sit around this big plate of just whole fish. Like I'm, I'm gonna put a whole brim on my plate or I'm gonna put a whole bass on my plate. Yeah. And um, I just, it was so mind blowing because it was like, we were just, like we were just catching these fish. Like these fish were just happening in the lake. Fresh. And now you did this thing to them and now we're doing this thing to them, eating them. Um, you felt like a hunter gatherer. Yeah, there's just something, you know, deep in your your DNA that kind of connects with that, with the process of like, I took this from nature. The immediacy of survival. Processed it and put it in my belly in the context of the people that did that with me and they are my family. Like that's a. It's a memorable you, you meal, don't, you my don't, friend. You don't get that a lot, you know? Nope. We don't get that in everyday society. Yeah, anymore. my papa Neil, he would do fish fries like that because he, he'd freeze the fish and so, you know, by the, t- by the time he would take the boat out and we'd go fishing and come back or whatever, it was typically uh, too exhausted to then have an actual, a full blown fish fry, but we'd yeah. wait till another well, time. Well, you know, okay, and, the, and I'm just gonna, just so I don't double back on this, another meal that came to mind was a very similar thing. I think it was when we had gone to Santa Cruz for the for summer project and we and, and like Locke had just been born like right before that. Yeah. And uh, we got back and Jesse's family was like, hey, we've rented a houseboat for everybody to stay on. And now we're, we're talking a very, I mean, not a very big boat and it was gonna be me and Jesse and Locke as a baby and then Jesse's sister and husband and their two boys, Jesse's parents and Jesse's grandparents, both Gaga and Papa, still, Sli- still sleeping alive. on the sleeping on this houseboat that was anchored in the sound in between the Outer Banks and the mainland in North Carolina. I was like, this is nuts, but I'm up for it, right? And um, somehow the way it's kind of like an RV with like, oh, there's a bed here, kind of thing. They've kind of worked it out. So that how I don't know how many people that was, but uh, maybe a dozen. Everybody is sleeping. Oh wow! But they also the the people who gave you let you rent the houseboat gave you like a smaller John boat with a motor on it to like kind of go around the sound with. Mm-hmm. And me and my brother in law Chris, my father in law, and Papa went out, and we caught flounder. Uh, and of course, you know, flounder are those fish that are really like a dinner plate and they are- Both com- their eyes are on one side. Yeah, they're completely white on the bottom and then they're like fish colored on the top and both of their eyes are on, on cause they just stay on the bottom, it's so crazy. And uh, we caught a bunch of these flounder, took them back to the boat and my brother-in-law cooked them Right, as soon as we got back, he like sauteed them. And I remember that my mother-in-law had some um, sun-dried tomatoes and like olive oil or something. And he like cooked these things in, in that. And then we ate it and I was like, this is the best food I've ever had in my life. And it was, again, it was, a, but it was. It, well, if you work for it. It was the experience and it was the freshness yeah. too. Like l- taking something out of the water and then within an hour putting it in your mouth. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So I highly recommend fresh fish. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Mitchell Narragon replied to us. She said, on a school trip to Germany in the mid 90s, we were led into a crypt that apparently served food. Sounds cool. We never figured out completely what we were eating, but we maintained it was rat tail soup and some sweet pork butt. Then a kid lit his hair on fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean that makes for a memorable meal if you're on a, a school trip and someone the hair, hair on catches the on hair fire. on fire is probably the exclamation point on that memory that caused it to never go away. I mean, I I mean this this reminds me of when we were in London and we you know we were desperate to find a place to eat and then pizza that no, night. Where we got the chips? Oh, oh, we ate in an old prison. Yeah, because it was an old prison, and they had like somehow forced. It, I mean, it's like a bricked in, like cell that then there was a I mean, booth in there. Yeah, they had taken the wall down, so you you would just scoot, 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 scoot on either side of this huge table, and we ordered. Uh, we just, we were basically 
it was a bar designed to just go drink, but we were super hungry. He was like, we're like you have anything to eat? He was like, um, I have some mm, Mexican crisps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they were like the worst tortilla chips we had ever had, but the best Mexican crisps we had ever had, I guess. And the salsa was ketchup with onions in it. It was the best way to describe it. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step, lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together but you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Yes. Pets. So that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. I mean, one of my best meals if you just focus on the food, and we've talked about this before, and I mean this has to be in your top five, is like in London going to Dishoom, the Indian yeah. cuisine yeah, restaurant. That was, because, all, that was in my on my list. Yeah, yeah, when we went to VidCon London uh, and we performed and then we, we got reservations there, we went there with uh, our agent and, and Stevie and Jenna were there too, and it was so good. The food was so good, the drinks were so good. I mean, it was just, I don't know, it was it was amazing. And we 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 had to wait. You know, the that's that's part of it. You know, just having having to wait for over an hour and have somebody wait in line and everyone else could walk around, but then someone had to stick around and so there was this expectation that if you can just walk right onto the roller coaster, oh, it was pretty good. But you know, if you if you've waited for an hour and a half to get on that thing, it's it's more that that's part of the experience. Well, and for and it the, to pay off so strongly, it was just, uh, the food was just so good, and the hype. I, it, it, I think it, things I think rarely it de- lived up to that much. Well, hype. but I think it depends on your personality, right? So, I tend to believe the hype. That I, you know, if you start hyping something up, some people are like, it probably isn't as good as he's making it out to be. And they kind of want to contradict you, yeah. But I'm a I'm a believe the hype, go along with the hype. If somebody gets super excited about introducing me to something, it makes it taste better to me, right? Because I because I do that to people. I I'm like, hey, I want you to enjoy this, right? And that there's and there was something about the fun of it. how much um, it had been talked up, and I guess it was Brent who was like, you got to go to this place. I, it, I mean, I can't either. I can't remember if he was like, "You're gonna absolutely love this place." I think we looked it up, and it was very highly rated. And then there was just so much hype around it, and I was just like totally on board. And so then it was one of the rare occasions where, I mean, we were starving, and then we had a we had drinks, and they were strong drinks. And, and they brought you, and they like mixed. They brought the drinks in this little. They would bring you a glass of ice, and then like the garnishes that go in a particular drink, like say an old fashioned. So there would be like an orange peel or something like that. And then they would bring you the mixed alcohol in a separate container with a cork on it. And you take that cork out and pull, pour it into your thing. Now again, well, the old fashioned, yeah. This, if you really think about that, it's just kind of an easy way to mix drinks ahead of time. So it makes it easier on the bartenders. But again, because I fully buy into the hype, I think, I say things like, Oh, it's in a little container. This is awesome. <laughs> that, and that's the that's, thing that I remember. I start reinforcing it. The thing I remember is getting a little drunk, and then the food coming out and that's being where, absolutely that's starving. That's where you want to be. And I, you know, I, I just don't. I never, I never drink. I just don't drink that much. And when I drink, it's, I don't know. It's I don't have a great experience. Well, but I, I that, think so that drinking was a very in, exceptional. Well, drinking in the context of great food is when I'm into the concept. The idea of like, hey, let's just sit around and drink a bunch of beer or something like that, or like, I'm just sit around and sip whiskey, I'm kinda like, ah, I can take it or leave it. But if you give me some really good wine with some really good food, or there's like really good mixed drinks, cocktails with really good food, that there's just something magical about that. You may and not feel great afterwards, but in the moment, you feel incredible. You had the, and we had good company, there was lots of, 
I mean, we were in a strange land. First time I had ever been to London, and we were, you know, it was we were having a good time. We were we were trading stories. We were trading laughs, and the the wait staff were like along for the ride. So I think that has to be the most. If you isolate the just the meal, it, it, it I think it's my top. So much. It's never so, gotten any better for me. It's like because. Christy and I took Lily back to London. It was just a few weeks later. I talked about it on this podcast and we went back there. And it and we went to the second location in between the two, uh, I don't know if you call them acts or whatever it is, the two different, there's the first play and the second play for the Harry Potter play. So we went in between the two and it was uh, the food, I, I built it up for them. And the food was just as great. I mean, I, I can't wait to go back. But the company. <laughs> well, so when I went back to London, I also went with my family, but we went to the same location that we did with everybody before. And th- this, we it was incredible, but when four people eat, you don't get as many things. The thing that made that first time so great is the fact that it was the first time, yeah. and the group was so big that you ended up getting, when you eat Indian food, you want to you, you, you want a taste you want of the, everything. You want the buffet experience but at then, your table. When we went back, we were like, "Oh, we got to pick like two two main course things," and it just wasn't the same. You know, it was good, but it wasn't the same. I mean, I was trying to think of other. I mean, we've we've had the privilege of traveling to so many places. I was asking Christy to help me remember, and she was like, "When we went to Australia, you went up to Brisbane. You and Rhett and Jenna went up there for the for the one tour stop." And I was like, yes, we walked, we basically walked all the way across downtown Brisbane because we only had a few hours. Mm-hmm. So we kind of did our own walking tour and we found ourselves at this, do you remember what it was? It was called like Cigar Pizza. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember it, how good that pizza was? It had the logo, was? then the guys looked like me and you. Yes, right. Yeah. And it was, I mean it was, It. we were eating at a weird time so there wasn't anybody there. But the there were so many good meals in Australia though. That's why the, would that? Why did they call it, it? The pizza was like it was rolled up. It was rolled up like a cigar, and they had these like strange it was, combinations. It was a glorified pizza roll, but it was, it was very really good. really good. Because I because one of the things that comes to mind for me is first of all, almost every meal while in Australia was good. I do remember uh, that Mr. Was it Mr. Wong's? Is that the name of the place that was in Sydney that was a giant oh, yeah. Chinese restaurant? Um, and we sat at that giant table. The, the, here's why that meal wasn't as good as it could have been. Because we just, got in a fight. Well, because kids were there. Oh, you don't remember the fight? Well, we got into a fight, yeah, because Christy thought that I was trying to order for everybody when I was just really, <laughs> I was just like, I'm throwing out suggestions. Oh, and, so and Christy felt controlled, I think, at the at that moment. Um, but, yeah, I I. I I could see her side because I think I was on it. <laughs> That's hilarious though. Cause, Cause you were so excited and you were like, let's order this and let's order this. And we were just talking about it. Yeah, it wasn't like, it, it as was opposed like, to what you want, it you was like. You were ordering with the waitress. You were talking about. I was like, this let's looks this good. Let's get this. This looks good. And you're. And Christy you're, was like, well, hold on a second. I haven't even read the whole menu. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, and, and it should have just been, Everything that's mentioned, we're going to order, but there was some that was my expectation. My instinct was that it was like, why don't we get every single thing that everyone wants? Right, but that wasn't. So just, I started naming things. That and I knew that's what was happening because you know we go, you and I go to places all the time, but then it was, yeah. If if the interpretation was, oh, he's he's ordering for the table. Yeah, but so that's not, I understand that's, the misconception. That's not why I don't. It wasn't a good there, meal. Then the kids, the kids really screwed it up. The kids, kids, they have to be taken into account. It's like, well, I don't know if I like dunk. You know, what I'm saying it's just like, yeah. hey, listen, we're here. We're at a, one of the best Chinese restaurants in the world by reputation. Get the Peking duck and quit complaining about it. I don't think I ate any of that, but you I know, didn't complain about it. Right, but it's just like, you know. But I think that a general openness of every single member of the party is part, if you're gonna go to a place like that, I think that's the key to enjoyment. Even children at Dishoom, are, Children are just not open I had a big to experience. Shame, and I didn't really love that, but I tried it and then I was like, okay, yeah. that one thing's not for me. Right. Um, 
Okay, well, let's move on. Where else did we go? I, I do remember, remember when we went to Austin with Stevie and we ordered that huge tomahawk That was at the- cut of, um, Steak, wasn't that in Austin? Yeah, it was a. Uh, it's like a huge beef rib. It was a Japanese meets Texas food. So it was all in the style of Japanese traditional food, but done with the meats and the sides that you typically would enjoy in Texas. So it was a fusion restaurant that there was a lot of buzz about. I can't remember the name of it, but it was really, really good. And I remember talking to, the, the trick that we had was you make friends with the, with the waitress or waiter, waitress in this case, and like we were just, we were like, you know, we're just visiting, we heard about this place, we're excited about it, what, you know, tell us what is exciting. And then she went through some things and then she was like, but, and she could tell from our vibe, it was like, but you need to get this thing. She like really sold us on this like special, huge tomahawk, I mean, it looked like a, a it's piece a, of a dinosaur coming It's about out. the experience, it's good. Yeah. Listen, and that's why I say, I know, listen, if you go, and I'm just saying, because I know that there's people who are resistant to trying new things, but like when you go to a place that's known for a thing, even if it's a thing that you don't think you would like or you don't traditionally like, free yourself towards the experience, open yourself towards the experience of that new thing because I think it will make your life better and I will guarantee you it will make everyone else's lives who you're with better. <laughs> Just, you know. You know, I mean, I I, I understand. <laughs> That's not directed at you. It's not directed it like at you. It, it seems like it could have been directed at me. But, okay. No, because you, you, try, you try things. I, I do understand that like when you're in, when you're, having a meal and this should be fun. It's like, you you wanna keep negativity. If you have a negative thought, keep that to yourself. You know, if you're ordering things to share or whatever. Cause I, I love sharing things. I love trying different things. I don't like, I don't like committing to a plate. Like it's, it's interesting that I'm picky, but I also like to share because I don't like to commit. Right. Um, and I've been rewarded enough to just give more things to go. So it, you know, it's happened over time. Uh, I don't think shaming helps, but. I'm not, did that, you may have taken it as a shaming. I'm saying open yourself up to the experience because it, you will have a better time. Don't deprive yourself of that experience. That's my main point. I agree with that. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with an AC Pro. Truly mythical Nomi. <laughs> Twitter handle Dink Neal, <laughs> okay. Uh, one year visiting family in China, I was around 10 years old. Uh, we were sat down for a meal entirely made up of plates of bugs and served warm liquidated sweet corn as a beverage. I'm a picky eater. Picky, I'm a picky I'm a, eater. I'm a pickier eater than Link is, so you can imagine my 10 year old self was not having it. Hashtag ear biscuits. Yeah, again, as a kid, it's just like there's- I bet it wasn't a plate of bugs. I mean, but I bet in in their memory, I could see how as a 10 year old, it like comes across that way. Right. But I mean, if there's bugs on the plate, there's bugs on the plate. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, there's not much mistake in that. Well, and the thing is, is that we've eaten so many weird things, but it has never, hardly ever been in the context of a restaurant or, uh, a meal with somebody, it's on the show. And when yeah. we've eaten lots of bugs and testicles and hot peppers and all that stuff, and while those are memorable experiences, some of them more than others, like the hot peppers, it's kinda hard to forget. Right. You don't get the same, it's memorable for you as a viewer, I think, but for us, all the weird things that we've eaten, kinda just all, it all blends together. I, there's not, there's very few moments that stick out 
in my mind. It's like when you ate that live beetle, I think, was that the episode that Shay Mitchell was there for? Yeah. And we also were like, we didn't know it was gonna happen. And all of a sudden you're eating this live beetle. I'm like, well, hey, people are gonna be mad about this because <laughs> you're eating a live animal. Yeah. Uh, and we probably shouldn't be doing that. And B, like, okay, this is especially nasty. So I would assume that that stands out in your mind. I wonder if like Guy Fieri remembers all of the diners, drive-ins and what is it, Dunkin' Donuts, whatever the other thing is. Here's why Here's why I don't think he does. And this Remembers is what, all of the places. This is why we don't There's no way, right? Because your attention is divided. When you are primarily in an entertainment mode, like when we eat something on GMM, we're not eating it to experience it and enjoy it. I mean, I try to be as present as possible, but really we're trying to be a conduit for entertainment and we're trying to, you know, like the even, camera's there. Even think about when we did the rib tour in Memphis to find like the best ribs and we were- You're thinking about the final product. You're not just thinking about the ribs in the moment. Yeah, and- um, I mean, I think we made the right call about who had the best ribs. I remember by the end, it, it, there's also this thing about like eating on camera you have to eat on camera when it's time to eat on camera and it doesn't matter if you're hungry or not. Like we, we've actually, you know, we've looked, we finished recording episodes and, and saying, you know what, this was scheduled at a difficult time uh, in the day for, for us to record because we weren't hungry. Like um, there's certain Will It episodes, or I, I mean in, in any of those episodes, it's like right. We we try to manage our stomachs so that we can actually be hungry. So it's easier to to actually be enthusiastic about things that are amazing. And by the time we got to that third, um, what was it called? Central Barbecue, which is the best one. We were hungry again, but I think we gave. But I, we were not as hungry. I think we as, gave short shrift to. Uh, we weren't as hungry as the uh, the owner assumed we were because. That's actually a pretty memorable meal because we sat down yep. and we filmed the episode which involved eating the ribs and That's eating right. some beans. And then we were like, well, we gotta go back to wherever we were going. Um, but he, but we've got a little time and he was like, well, I want you guys to taste everything. And so it was me and you and Stevie, Casey, Ben, is that who the crew was? Uh, and Nick came. Didn't Nick he? was there, and I think there was at least two more people. So we sit down at this table, and uh, the guy who runs Central Barbecue—I can't remember his, his first name now—brings every sing every single thing that they serve, every single drink that they serve. So, like, he brought us a bunch of beer. I was like, "Oh God, we'll get, you!" And but and, and he brought us multiple desserts. And I ain't complaining, but I, you know, we had to take a lot to go because. I mean, the crew was hungry, and w I, I wanted to try everything, but I just couldn't do it anymore. It was very difficult. It was and this is coming from a guy who can eat until he thinks he's gonna faint. There was a series of responses that I did not expect. Yeah, this was, it totally makes sense, but so, I did not know it was gonna happen. So let's, let's alternate these. There's four of them. Okay. Sarah Holcomb says, for moms, it is whatever is given to you after delivery. After my first delivery, I was given a plain turkey sandwich, applesauce and graham crackers and peanut butter because it was late. It was the best sandwich ever after eating nothing for 12 hours and delivering a baby. Georgina Geo Georgie said, post 18 hours of labor and giving birth after the epidural wore off, the best chicken fried steak, country potatoes and pancakes of my life. Stephanie, Acidic Yarn 118. I had a bowl of chili and a hamburger after my daughter was born and was allowed to eat again. It had been a minute. I had a C-section. From the hospital, so that was in parentheses, to eat again, from the hospital cafeteria. Best burger of my life. I've yet to have a meal hit me that hard. <laughs> and finally, Amanda Martinson. For me, it was the first meal after giving birth to my daughter, labored for 26 freaking hours after the dust settled. Is that, yeah, I don't remember there being a lot of dust. It depends on how long the baby is in utero. After the, <laughs> after the dust settled, my husband went and grabbed my favorite food from Whataburger for me. That was the best meal of my life and my first meal as a parent. I think that might be what it takes to make Whataburger good is. is I like Whataburger. <laughs> 
the Texas joint? Oh no, I'm getting. We've I'm talked sorry. so much crap about that. I was thinking about Fat Burger. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Whataburger. We don't like Whataburger. Sorry, Texas. I mean, but they're Texas, like, you've got all kinds of great things. We've established this, but Whataburger is not the thing you should be leading with. Um, and I mean, they're t- they're talking about like hospital cafeteria food being amazing. Which, yeah, if you've been through that ordeal, and you know, Christy had three C sections. I just I don't recall. I'll have to ask her if. Uh, she was starving. I think that I I definitely remember when we found out we were pregnant uh, with Lily and going to be parents. First of all, we but we both took a nap. <laughs> but then when uh, when we started going in for like her checkups and her ultrasounds and stuff, we would always eat at Chick Fil A because it was the only Chick Fil A that we had access to up in Cary. Was was next to that, so like that became our thing. Oh, we get to go to Chick Fil A, and that was uh, those were those were memorable meals for us when it's like you know just preparing to be a parent and eating some eating some fried chicken with extra pickles in her case. But I don't remember after pregnancy. I don't recall. It does make me think of you know I I, I definitely can understand if you've if you've gone through this ordeal and you you know you you haven't eaten. It it does trigger the memory, which is basically not related at all. Of like in college when we would uh, we would fast. Do you remember this? And I'm and not not for health reasons. This was like for spiritual, spiritual reasons. Spiritual reasons, yeah. That we would, uh, you know, they would say, you know what, take a take a day or a few days to fast. There was a there was at least one time where I said I'm going to take a. A seven-day fast. Well, when you tell a bunch of zealous college students um, about a spiritual practice like fasting and and challenge them to do it, I mean, our personality is that. Well, okay, well, why, I'm going to do this for longer than you asked me to do it. Yeah, right. So yeah, I, so I do. I do remember going for a week in college, but I think it ended up being five days. I don't I think it was seven being days. very irritable, but I do remember thinking, um, I, I, but by the way, I think there were, there were benefits to it, but I don't, in terms of, you know, it, it kind of puts things in perspective. It definitely puts your your relationship with food in, in perspective. Um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, Or just yeah. it, your dependency like your actual dependency on on food to survive, and you can run that through a spiritual grid and, and gain some uh, meaning from it. I think there are many other things that you can you you can benefit from spiritually that I don't think that I did in terms of making it, as you say, a spiritual practice. You know, it was more of a an experiment for me. I think where I just got very angry and irritable. That I was doing it, but I do remember because sometimes we would do it at the same time. We'd do it with our roommates, and like we would get fixated. On, okay, this is when we're all going to break our fast. It's going to be at six o'clock on Friday night, and we're going to go to the Golden Corral. Which, by the way, if you fast on a regular basis, you know this isn't how you break your fast. You're supposed to, especially the longer the fast, the more gentle the break, right? So got to ease back into it. Golden Corral right. is Golden not Corral that. Does not ease you. In, ease is not a word associated with the only thing crowd. easy about Golden Corral has, is how easy you can fill up another plate. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember that though? Because there were they had a they had a steak and shrimp night at Golden Corral, and I th- maybe it wasn't Friday, but we would time our fast to end on that night. I so, remember this now that you're talking about so it. So we could go eat a bunch of like oddly Me- mediocre oddly meats, steaks. Yes, yeah, like I don't know what part in of the a buffet is. bin. Seems like it was rejected from what you could get at the grocery store. I, I don't I don't recall having like any difficulties from that decision. It no, was just that was, glorious. That was back when your body could take anything. You could completely punish yourself and there was no consequence. But I mean, the thing is is that now, I mean, I'm not saying that there's still there's not still spiritual reasons to fast, but like since then they've 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 come out with all this research about how beneficial fasting is in general just for health. I mean, it's a the whole intermittent fasting thing, all this crazy stuff that happens to your body when you fast and like the cell rebirth and how it cuts down on inflammation and all this stuff. It's a, you know, it's one of the most beneficial things that you can do for longevity. Hmm. 
But last time I did it, I hurt my back. <laughs> and I think they're connected, but I won't even go into why that's the case. Long story. But it has to do about cell regrowth and people with disc issues. And huh. there is some research that suggests that the renewal process can actually screw something up in your back. And that happened to me last time I tried to do a day, a one day fast. So I don't know if I'm gonna do it anymore. Stan of US said, the first meal I ever made in my first apartment on my own was amazing. I made a grilled cheese sandwich with white bread, Velveeta cheese and butter. I opened a jar of pickles and sat on the floor in front of my tiny TV. Best grilled cheese of my life. Yeah, so like meals to commemorate an occasion, uh, especially the, you know, when we moved in our the creative house, we made, we made the vlog about going to Wiener Schnitzel <laughs> and then coming back because there is something about that first meal. I, I can picture my first meal in the houses that I lived in. Do any of those stand out for you? No, I can't. I, I mean, the only thing when this made me think about the um, when I started cooking for myself when I when I moved into the apartment that I lived in after you got married and I and I got that new apartment with with some guys. Mm -hmm. And because when we all lived together, when me and you and Greg and Tim, we would cook, we've talked about this many times, like a hamburger helper and we would split it four ways. And that- Those and, are some memorable meals. Yeah. Like literally it would be the whole skillet which is hamburger helper. By the way, for you know like 19 year old dudes, two. this is not enough food. I mean, it, I could easily have eaten a whole hamburger yeah. helper by myself. And you should have eaten at least a half. That's but why we I was so skinny. a quarter and we would cut it like a pie and then give each, each Well, person. the one that we cut as a pie was the one that was supposed to congeal. There, hamburger Helper has all kinds of different like form factors and one of them is the one that congeals into like a disc. Yeah. And the other ones are just like a pasta and meat together. The one, you're, I, I specifically remember that one. I don't remember what it was called but we could yeah. cut it into yes. fourths and you got this just, just fourth of a pan. <laughs> yeah. And I was still so hungry after we were done with it. So I remember that but I also remember when I started cooking for myself in my other apartment, I had—I don't know, I just have a tendency to just jump into things with no expertise or no ability—no point of reference for it. And this is before the internet, so I definitely, my mom never taught me how to cook, I never asked. So I remember I had this thing where I would take chicken and cut it up, I'd take onions and cut it up, peppers and cut it up, and like saute it together and then pour barbecue sauce into the pan. Okay. And make like a barbecue sauce and chicken, onion, and pepper soup, and then put it over that pasta. Enough barbecue sauce to make a soup? Yeah, and then put it over pasta. Oh God, that sounds nasty. I, yeah, it is, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I mean, it tasted good. Over, over noodles, huh? And I made this meal for Jessie. Uh, like well, the first time she came to my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> she she seemed to like it. <laughs> so I remember those very misguided, no, not following a recipe, not having any idea what I was doing, meals. Uh, here's a weird one to end on. Pigeon, Tante Pigeon. Uh, most memorable meal, an edible painting together with a few other people. What? A famous Dutch cook combined all kinds of different tastes and structures in the form of a large painting. After she made it, we all together had to scrape with special crisps, etc. the painting empty. This is a phenomenal idea. It doesn't sound like it would be satisfying to taste. I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think this is about that. Um, I hope not. I think it's a, I mean, and maybe it was good. It depends on if it was like a bean dip, it might be good. Like if it was like a seven layer bean dip and you had nachos, it would be good. Um, but I think this is about common experience and kind of like working together and doing this meal in this weird way. This reminds me of, and I think I talked about it on something, but a few years ago, Jesse and I, for a Valentine's Day or something, we went to, I told you about this, went to this art, installation at this museum. Yeah, yeah. And they had curated this 12 course meal 
that corresponded to the specific art that was in this installation. So they would like draw your attention to a piece of modern art of some kind. And then you would eat it. And then you would eat the meal that corresponded to it. Now, it was, and I ha- and it's, this is difficult for me because I tend to be, you know, a, a little too linear in my thinking sometimes. And so it's difficult for me to just let my guard down and just, I'm actually better at it than I was just a few years ago, but let my guard down and be like, this is crazy and that's the kind of the point. There's, this is totally subjective. What does this piece of food actually have to do with this painting and the right. connections that, that are being made? Nothing, right? It's crazy. But, and there was also the meal where they, the chef had this tendency to take, there would be some weird sort of th- meal taste of something, because it's 12 courses. And then there would be a hardened disc of a certain material, a certain ingredient that was complementary to this thing, and it would like have this disc on top and you would break it with a spoon and it would like break over and then you would eat it. And so there was like this sort of like deconstruction thing happening with your food. And also the lighting was changing and they were projecting um, art onto the ceiling. And you were also sitting at uh, a vi- one very long table with everyone else who had paid for this experience and you were supposed to like bring your own drink. This is the one where you had to run get the, yeah, you told us where you had to run get yeah, the. Yeah, yeah, and then you and you the, would like get to know people. wine or something. Because it was so different and weird, it just became, it's a meal I'll never forget. And But, it, but again, do, is it the taste of the food that I remember? No, it's the presentation. It's the experience and the way that somebody decided to make it happen. So I don't imagine this painting tasted great. But, and so if you go into the experience thinking that like, man, I'm, cause sometimes you go into experience and you're like, I'm really hungry. Like sometimes you're going to it's like a party or something like that. And you're like, man, I'm hungry and I haven't eaten dinner. I hope they satisfy me, <laughs> you know? Will there be meatballs? And if you don't get satisfied, you get mad. So maybe if you're gonna do a uh, an experiential meal like this, you should like, you know, Eat a eat a grilled cheese sandwich before you go. Just or have one in your pocket. Right. Just be ready to for be, be ready for reinforcement, so you won't judge the experience too much. Well, that was fun going down memory lane. Well, I have one. I have one last oh, thing you I got have to the, tell. Yes, you got. You didn't this tell is that. A, one. This is a famous story. I probably told it before, uh, but it, it, it remains to this day meal. to to be one of the most memorable meals of my life. And that was. Uh, when Mama Nell came over for Christmas dinner. Now, we had gone to Mama Nell's house for Christmas in Georgia, uh, what felt like many times growing up, I don't know. And um, we had always gone to her house and she very rarely came to visit us where we were at. Like we would go down to Georgia to see her. Yeah. Um, But then after Pop died, you know, she came up and was living in a retirement home in North Carolina that was just like a mile down the street from us. And so she would come over quite often in those last few years. And I remember (laughs) Christmas dinner and I'm like so excited, like even as a kid, I mean, you know I'm this way now, but I was, which is so funny because my kids are not like this. As a kid, I got so excited about food. I got so, I can never remember a point in my existence where I didn't get super amped up about a meal that somebody was about to serve me. And if it was like a significant meal, like Christmas dinner, I was like, I know mom's gonna make this, 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 and I would think about it and get so amped up about it and I would like eat so much food. So I'm like just getting to the place where I'm really enjoying Christmas dinner. And uh, again, this was towards the end of Mom and Elle's life and she, I mean, she just, you know, she was very old at this time. She didn't participate much in the conversation mm-hmm. and she also didn't eat very much. So they would make her a really small really small plate and she would she was eating and then all of a sudden like I mean again she's not participating in the conversation but she definitely participated in getting all the attention on her when she just threw up on her plate. <laughs> <laughs> she just and I'm just like sitting across from her and I just see it come out and land on all the, the, it wasn't a lot of food on our plate, like I said. And I'm just like, it made me mad. And it was selfish to get mad. <laughs> oh, 
gosh. You know, it may, I got mad at her because she screwed up my was experience. She, cho- she was choking on food and she. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't You're know. still mad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she was choking. I think she just was, you know, she was just old, man. She regurgitated. Yeah, she was just old and I feel bad to this day. And, and first of all, no one was like, Oh, mama now! Like no one did that. Everybody was helpful, and they were like, "Are you okay?" And everything. You could in get, my mind. I thought you were going to say, and I just went right back to eating. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did end up <laughs> finishing eating, but the it it was never the same after that. It point. wasn't, huh? I mean, maybe next year, but like that meal because I had seen the ingredients that I was enjoying like come out of my grandmother and go onto the plate, <laughs> <laughs> and so it just changes everything. Well, at least I didn't go on your plate. That would have been, uh, yeah. That I couldn't have taken that. Oh my god! Couldn't gosh. have taken that. It was across. It was across the way, and I don't think there was any splatter. Oh man! So that was a memorable. Yeah, that's moment. never. I mean, that's never happened to me, man. Well, um, you can only. You can only hope. I got a recommendation for you if if you're if you're interested in it. It's my turn to give a rec now. Um, everything's being delivered to us. We got bo- a box problem at the house, and like after months and months of trying to break down boxes and get them into the recycling can. Yeah, it's I'm an like, ordeal. And my, my, uh, my box cutter was falling apart. Hold on, so you don't, I've assigned this, I've assigned this to Locke. As in the past like two years, I'm like, Locke, you're on box duty. I've, I tried and they don't, they, I can't get them to do it how I want it done. You gotta let it go, man. I know. They don't do a good job. I, I didn't. Like, I didn't say he does a good job, but well, he if does it doesn't it. fit, then it doesn't get taken away. If he it doesn't fit, I'll go out and help. If it him. doesn't fit, and the way to make it all fit, because there's so much. And again, I got one more person in my house than you do. Another box. A lot more boxes. It's like exponential. So I'm like, you know what? I bet you there is a newfangled, like, update to the box cutter that I could get excited about ordering, and it would make it more of a joy. And of course, I'm right. If you just search box cutter on Amazon, there's this company called Slice that's pushing this thing out. And it it looks like the top of a cane, like the top of a shepherd's hook. And that part can like hook on your pocket or it's an ergonomic handle that then you can push, you push out the blade like you would a normal thing. But then you hold it in a more leveraged position. Yeah, and it, um, you know, it goes right, like the handle itself goes against the box. Hmm. Two, so it helps you keep it at the right angle, and the blade is ceramic and rounded on the end, and it won't cut you, which is great for me. Cut the box, not you. Yeah, it is. It is a. I mean, it costs nineteen bucks, but it is. It is splendid. Hmm. I gotta recommend that you get a slice box cutter, three position manual button with ceramic blade, available at Amazon. Two thousand one hundred ninety one reviews. Can't cut yourself. Not a sponsor. Maybe they should be. Yeah, you it it won't um it's just again, it's not a metal blade. It's ceramic. It doesn't rust and it doesn't cut you unless you're really, really dumb. <laughs> I've not cut myself with it, so that's, that's a good not an endorsement. I don't know what is. Okay. I, I've enjoyed this thing. I, I order stuff just for the box. So I can that's cut it and break it down. Not, that's probably not a good way to be. Slice. As a reminder, next week. We will start with uh, our one year later deconstruction stories. So stick around. Hashtag Ear Biscuits.